This is the Art of Singleness podcast, episode four. Singleness podcast, an online radio show for singles by a single, encouraging young professional women to live happily before marriage. Hey, girl. Hey, hey, everyone. In today's podcast, I'll be sharing some verses from the Bible that have been epic for my soul to stay connected to God, live a life of integrity, faith, virtue, and really just stay hopeful, fearless, happy. Um, here's the thing. We know there's parts about being single that are just frustrating and the unanswered questions and prayers can be very much so perplexing. I know I covered that in the first two episodes um, or the the episodes before this one. Um, But I found that when I don't come back to my source of help, which is God and his word, I grow passive, bitter, more lonely and even more susceptible, susceptible to my vices and sin and eventually just devolve. Right. And so what I wanted to do is just share some verses that have really helped uplift me. They've kind of like lifted my chin, lifted my spirit. Um, They really energize me and they really help me reconnect with God into remembering who he is, what's his personality personality like, what's his character like. And really, I find that even just reading scripture does something to my soul, right? You know, sometimes we're just a little off. Maybe we're stressed. We're frustrated by, you know, the fact that we're not coming home to anyone because we're single. We don't have someone to go out with on Friday nights or Saturday. Or it's nothing even related to our relationship. We're just, we're tired. You know, we're fatigued from work. We're tired mentally. And what I found is you got to reconnect with Jesus. You got to reconnect with God and his word. And a simple way of doing that for me, the spiritual tech, the spiritual technology has been and still will continue to be reading the Bible. Do I opt, do I read it every day? No, um, but I've found that sometimes it just pays to pay attention to some core verses that can regularly encourage you on your journey as a single woman. All right, so number one, Matthew 17, 20. This is something, first few verses are gonna be stuff that I've heard or read Jesus said, right? Matthew 17, verse 20 says, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. I like this verse, not because I feel like Jesus is using a hyperbole. I like this verse a lot because Jesus is using the smallest example of faith and he likens it to a mustard seed. A mustard seed, I think when I when I looked it up in the dictionary, a mustard seed size dimensions wise is like either one one sixteenth of, of a centimeter. Or I've got to look it up again, but it is such it is like the one of the tiniest of seeds. 
And Jesus is saying, you ain't even got to have a lot of faith to move stuff. You ain't even got a lot of, you don't, you don't even have to have a lot of faith to see massive change. First of all, Jesus is using the smallest example of faith and describing about the, one of the largest examples of something in the way or of an obstacle, a mountain, y'all, a mountain to a seed, a mountain to a seed. Hey, I'm gonna let the word do what it does. Number two, Matthew seven, verse eight through 11. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks, it will be opened. What man is there among you? If his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good gi- give good things to those who ask him? All right, man, you know, I, I feel like sometimes certain verses get really overplayed at church, but this one never gets old, man. Like everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. I feel like this is one of those baseline verses like we gotta keep asking even when we feel tired even when we feel like god hasn't answered prayers you keep asking you keep asking you keep your faith activated you keep believing because you got to remember that he rewards persistence and that he is he is better he is a better father than our earthly fathers and i love that this verse parallels the fact that men if you know how to give gifts to your friends or to your kids or to people whom you love, how much more does God know how to give good gifts? And that's my thing is like sometimes we get weary with asking God for stuff because it hasn't happened. And all of a sudden, all of our faith, all of our prayers get corrupted with this doubt, you know, the poison of doubt. And it spreads like a virus on a computer, man. All of a sudden, you're just doubting everything. You doubt that he can change your family. You doubt that he can he can promote you at work. You doubt that your your idea for your business would ever come to fruition all because he hasn't answered one thing. Well, what about other stuff that he's come through for, right? Like sometimes you got to remind yourself of the things you've asked for before that were answered. And I believe that this verse captures that, but it reminds me to keep asking. And that's like the biggest thing. Number three, Matthew 6, verse 25. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Jesus said, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Boom. Like, I love when God reminds us that of our value. I love it. I love what Jesus does there. And he's like, do you realize that he's taking care of everything and you're more valuable than some of the other things that he's taking care of, i.e. animals? And I love that. I love that God is showing us that he is the master caretaker. He hasn't overlooked you and you don't need to worry. It's a great reminder. Number four, Luke 15, verse 31 Jesus says in a parable, and I'm going to have to give you context, but this is what he says at the end of the parable about the son who runs off from his family, takes his inheritance, and then he exhausts his inheritance in crazy living. He comes back. His father runs out to meet him, and he embraces him, and he kisses him, and welcomes him back home. Instead of being frustrated, he welcomes him with a party. There was a celebration. 
the older son is frustrated and is really mad with the father for accepting his son back with no consequence and the fact that he put on a party for his younger son but never gave him the older son a party this is what the father says in the parable this is what jesus is reminding us he says look dear son you have always stayed by me and everything i have is yours we had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life i don't know about you but the everything i have is yours is such a major concept for me because I feel like, especially if you were raised in the church and if you if you remember from my previous podcast, I mentioned how sometimes you can adopt a self-righteousness mindset um, because you've been doing all the right things, thinking that God was going to make you be married and reward you with marriage because you were living right, as if marriage is a reward for rightful living. We know that's not the truth. But one of the things I love about this verse is it reminds me that... Um, Even though we can be living right, quote unquote, we can be far from God. Um, And it is a concept that I think Tim Keller does a great job talking about in the Prodigal God book. But this verse really did really has rocked me because it reminded me of the grace of God to um, give us access to him and all of his resources. When he says to his son, everything I have, everything in my heart, everything in my wheelbarrow, you have access to it you're not missing out i would have thrown you a party if you just asked me for it i would have i would have hosted your friends if you just would have asked me for it it reminds me of that and i just really really get um so re-energized when i think about god's heart through that verse luke 15 verse 31 number five Psalm 34 verse 18. Now the next couple of verses, I really love them because the Psalms really capture in my mind the heart of God. And um, again, a little bit more detail about his personality, what matters to him, his emotions. And I really value them. Psalm 34 verse 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Again, I just did two podcasts about frustrations as a single and I felt like it was very, you know, apropos for me to talk about, you know, verses that can encourage that that have encouraged me and I think it can encourage you if you're listening and you're single like me. The Lord's close to the brokenhearted. He's always been close to the brokenhearted. And I find it fascinating that he that he would allow the writers of scripture to put that in there. I don't know. I don't know about you, but it, to me, it says a lot about the heart of God when he's close to those who feel wounded, who feel hurt, who feel in pain, who feel anguish. Verse um, number six, Psalm 16, verse 11 says, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Great reassurance that God is guiding. God wants to guide. God is a great leader. He wants to show us how to live and he wants to make us happy. Uh, the Bible uses the word joy, but I love that there is joy connected to God's presence. Another word for joy is happiness. They're interchangeable throughout scripture. And it says the pleasures of living with you forever. And it's funny because isn't that what we want in life? We want pleasure. You know, we want, we, we ascribe so much pleasure to certain things, certain ideas that we have of success and marriage is one of them. Obviously talked about that at nauseum in the beginning of the, the podcast episodes on Art of Singleness's brand. But I really feel like one of the things that have helped me to really um, avoid and bypass foolishness and um, 
you know, uh, ways in which that I, I could have, I think, stumbled a lot in my 20s, but I bypassed them is because I believed God in, in that there are pleasures and knowing him and living for him and trying to honor him. And um, I feel like you've got to reconnect with that de- like deeply on a regular basis, because sometimes you will like you can avoid God's pleasures because you want worldly pleasures or you want to go get pleasures in a way that's that, you know, you're not supposed to be. And so this is a reminder to me that instead of just trying to live, you know, focusing on what you're not supposed to do, not trying to have sex before marriage, not trying to be entangled emotionally with guys, you're not trying to get into compromising situations or circumstances. Instead of just living, focusing on what you can't do, you've got to make it a priority to be filled and to go after and pursue the pleasures of God and knowing his joy, knowing what what puts a smile on his face, but knowing how he created you and what puts a smile on your face that are good things. Um, I think that's a big part of my personal values is understanding that God is the creator of all happiness. He's the creator of joy. He's the author of joy. He's the author of pleasure. He's the author of, uh, of happiness, not the devil. You know, I think if anything, the devil is a copier, you know, he's the bootleg version of pleasure and, God's got this. And so for me, this verse reminds me to run to God. You know, he knows how to fill every every longing and every desire for pleasure in my own heart. Number seven, Psalm 30, 32, verse seven. You surround me with songs of victory. The Lord says, I will guide. I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. I love this. Um, Songs of victory are important. My middle name is Nikki or Nicole, and it means the people overcome. And it reminds me of the fact that God um, is an encourager. God is a coach. He knows how to um, galvanize us. He knows how to uh, push us to to be our best selves. And the fact that he he says, you surround me with songs of victory, the the fact that the psalmist wrote that reminds me of, of just God's great leadership and his ability to encourage us when we feel down um there's a ver- there's, a, there's a gospel song it's it's an epic op- i would say it's up there as far as being one of those songs that make you really like thank god and it's by i think it's by marvin Sapp, and it goes never would have made it anyways i can't really sing it but it's just an epic song that reminds you of like you weren't gonna make it in certain seasons of your life had it not been for god's hand in your life his victorious hand his his songs of victory in your in your corner you know and I love this verse also because I feel like it's reminding me that God's personality is not to micromanage us like it says here do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control God's not trying to like have his hand on us and dictate every which way that we need to go I believe that this verse evokes the fact that God's passionate about communicating and about you knowing him and him knowing you and him not needing to like totally control you robotically I love that I love that a lot uh number eight psalm 31 verse 7b you care about the anguish of my soul my future is in your hands dude sometimes it is so hard to remember that god sees you when you're going through the lowest of lows right when you're depressed when you're lonely and you feel like man ain't nobody ain't nobody calling my phone and at the same time i feel like these verses you got to have them in your wheelbarrow. You got to have them. You got to know them. He cares about the anguish of your soul. 
He cares about when you sigh, when you cry. He sees them. He knows you. He memorizes you. Um, there's a verse by Bethel Worship that says, um, you know me. You know when I rise. You know when I fall. You see me. Um, and so this this is one of those verses I feel like reminds me that he knows every detail of our lives, which, which goes into the next verse, number 9, Psalm 37, verse 23. It says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Once I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging bread. Oh my gosh. Um, just one time for God, man. Like he directs our steps when we're following him, when our hearts are sincerely passionate about knowing him and living for him. He directs us. Um, even when we don't feel directed, I feel like God's in control. He's making things happen for our good. And I love the piece where it says that he delights in every detail of our lives. And I love that piece because sometimes, especially if you felt like you've had a uh, distant family members or distant parents, not necessarily my situation, but I've definitely felt like sometimes, um, other people have, and there's been instances where I feel like even my own parents growing up, I felt like they weren't necessarily immersed in the detail of my life. And maybe that's, that, that would have been too much for them anyways. But I think it's interesting to know that God is God leader of the universe creator ceo of the world is interested in the details of our lives he's not trying to micromanage but he's interested in them he takes notice it's beautiful you know especially as as, as adults you know there's part of us that will always be childlike and there's always going to be a desire in our lives to get attention and i think it's so beautiful when we know we can we have the attention of god in heaven number nine psalm 25 verse 3 no one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced i know somebody needs to hear this i know somebody needs to hear that look listen linda listen i think that there is a temptation from hell for anybody that has been trusting god for something maybe you've been living a pure lifestyle maybe you've been believing for something maybe you've been you know really sowing seeds of generosity or whatever you just been believing god for something no that you will not be disgraced and that there is, I believe that there is a strategy in, in hell for you to be discouraged, for you to believe that God has forgotten you, that he's not seeing you, that you will be ashamed at the end of your days because you trusted God. And I just think that's a lie from the pits of hell, man. We got to stay encouraged. Verses like this help me stay encouraged. Number 10, First Timothy, uh, Timothy 4, verse 12 through 16. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, this is Paul speaking, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of elders. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. I love this verse um, mainly because it's a throwback verse from when I was younger and I was taught this verse from when I was like, early early teens and uh it's still true today man i think there is such a need to realize like while you're young and you're single single especially single millennial women the the, the target audience of this podcast and this blog you gotta know man you can't live foolishly like you can you're very free to but when you allow people to despise you and think that you're foolish just because you're young you're you man you are missing out like you're missing out on an advantage I, I kid you not man I think that there's something to being wise while you're single before you're married practicing the art of um 
practicing discipline, self-mastery, getting better at your gifts, progressing in your skill sets and your strengths, and letting people see the fruit of your labor, letting people see the fruit of your discipline. Um, I just love that this verse really pushes you to be fruitful and progressing in the things that you're gifted at. Because sometimes, again, because of life, work, you can kind of forget, you know, to really prioritize your giftings, the things that God has called you to do, your purpose. Part of art of singleness is to really reclaim that, is to herald that, it's to push you to really live on purpose and live in your lane, in your passions. Number number 11, Psalm 39, verse 4, uh, it says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You've made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. Um, this is encouraging, but it's also slightly convicting. It kind of packs a punch because uh, it's encouraging for this part. I feel like it helps breed a sense of urgency to take to task anything that I feel like God wants me to do or things that I know are really things that I'm passionate about. Life is brief. It is brief, man. And I think there's been so much, I think there's a, there's a teenage immaturity in, in us in our twenties that still exists when we feel like we have all the time in the world to do anything we want. No, you don't. No, you don't turn around. You turn 30 and it's like, wait a minute. I'm in my third decade of life. Your life is brief. If there's something God has called you to do, single women, I'm encouraging you from that verse alone, recognize your days are numbered. You don't have every hour or every day to be fooling around and this is why there's such a call I think in in the blog and the brand that I'm putting together together for you to have better time management skills for you to have or understand the best practices and goal setting and for you to understand that you know it's not about even striving to be you know be perfect it's not about that it's about you maximizing your single days you know, if you're, I'm 99% sure that most women that are listening to this podcast are going to be married someday. And I'm not saying that to be indefinite and vague. I'm saying you're probably going to be married. But up until then, what are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your life? You know, I think there is, um, there is grace to, to get downcast. I know that people go through depression. I went through depression last year post, uh, the, you know, after grieving the death of my grandmother, um, and recently my, one of my great aunts just passed away. She was visiting from Jamaica and I was reminded how brief life is. My grandmother passed away. She was 82, 82. Boo. My aunt passed away. She was 60. She was 60, 60 years old, died in her sleep. And I'm just reminded again and again, like there's, we can, we can mope. There will be sadness. There will be tears, but man, I feel like as single women, we've got to learn to harness our energies, our potential, our time, and make the most of it. Number 12, Proverbs 17, verse 22 says, a cheerful heart is good medicine. Simple verse. Um, I honestly feel like it's part of the backdrop of this backdrop of the blog. Um, there's something, I think there's something super spiritual about knowing how to be happy and realizing that your best self is probably your happiest self. And it's always easier to work hard when you're happy than it is when you're not. It's like you, it's, it's weird, but I'm going to 
end up probably doing another podcast about happiness. Of course, I'm reading this book by Randy Alcorn called Happiness, and it's a really great sort of um, encyclopedia on all the biblical references on happiness. But you got to recognize when your heart is happy, that's probably the best thing you could ever do for yourself, you know. Um, And I love that there's a verse on that. Number 13, Ephesians 2, verse 8 through 9. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. Oh, grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Love reminders about grace. And the fact is that my faith is not born of myself. It wasn't intrinsic that I was born. You know, I wasn't born with faith in God. It's the grace of God that was revealed to me. It's his love that inactivate that activated my faith in him and i love that this remind this this verse reminds me of that number 14 ephesians 3 verse 20 now to him who is able to do immeasurably immeasurably more than all we ask all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us i love that verse first clause of a long verse that paul wrote to the church in ephesus what he's saying is we like our level of thinking is so far lower than God's, you know. I love being reminded that God is super off the chart smarter than I ever can be or will be. Immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. First off, I what? You know, and it's just a reminder, man, like whatever you're thinking, God's got something way better. Way 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 better. Number 15, Isaiah 49, verse 15, it says, can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she is born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. See, I've written your name on the palms of my hand. This is God speaking through one of the prophets, Isaiah. And I think it's a great reminder for anybody that has ever felt neglected, overlooked. If you ever had middle child syndrome, you feel like everybody's talking about the first child and the last child and they're leaving you out. I'm the middle child. I've definitely felt that. Um, this is just an epic reminder. God's not forgotten you. He can't. It's not in his nature to forget people. He just doesn't. He doesn't forget his kids. He is not a deadbeat dad. He doesn't have a rack full. He doesn't have in his phone plan. He actually listens to his voicemail. He doesn't not listen to his voicemail and not get back to you. He listens. He picks up the phone. He doesn't forget. And I just love that that's in the scriptures. And then the last one, this is oh, second to last. Ruth 3, this is coming from uh, Mother Naomi in the scriptures. There's a story about a family that endured massive tragedy. Um, and one of them is a, mo- a mother, a woman named Naomi. Uh, her husband passes away and the her her sons, her sons pass away too. And the wife, they're, they're, the wife and the mother, Naomi, the wife is named Ruth and the mother is named Naomi and they end up being widows together and she says this to Ruth after you know their time of mourning passes and they move um, a bit and Ruth finds a place to work she also finds a man who is very kind to her and allowing her to work in his fields this is coming from an agrarian society Naomi says to Ruth my daughter it's time that I found you a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for Boaz, the person Ruth finds uh, a place to work with, Boaz is a close relative of ours and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now do as I tell you, take a bath, put on perfume and dress in your nicest clothes. 
Then go to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. First of all, I just want to say this verse is not talking about, you know, sh- you know, shacking up and getting with a dude late at night and telling letting him tell you what to do at midnight. Nah, that's not what this verse is saying. What I love about it, though, is there comes a point where everyone, I think every woman needs a mentor where that mentor or that woman, uh, whether it's it's your mom, your mother, whatever, uh, you know, a close friend's mother. Where she just looks in your eye and says, listen, this is what you got to do. Just go over to the dude's house and, 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 you know, approach him. And I, I, you know, some might, that might be controversial. Some might say, oh, that's so wrong. It's reading into the scriptures. What the heck do you say to that? Like, what did Naomi, Naomi say to Ruth? Literally, she said to put, take a bath, take a shower, go put on some smell good, put on some perfume and put the nice, nice clothes on. Put the put the clothes that accentuate you on and then go go to his place and wait for him when he's in his wait for him when he's in good spirits like this is in the scripture y'all and I love it because part of me there's you know we can we can be very mystical with love and and romance and and how does God put people together I think there is some natural things you know to be said about you know finding love and Naomi was like look just go do this real quick let's see what happens hey y'all that's all I have for now Um, I'm definitely going to be curating other encouraging verses quotes books um, and other material that has helped me on my journey so keep a lookout and join me later